recording straight out of Five Scotland. You're listening to Films and Swearing, a movie podcast with your hosts, Stuart Sutherland and the Magic Mike Christie. Yo. I should be saying it's 11.55 at Antonio B. And it's a bit misty outside. Oh, fuck, we're in for it now. Yes. Welcome to 80 season. Oh, uh, shit, here we go again. Episode 231. I, I actually quite like that. Although I kind of wish that we started on 2.30. Yeah, and then it would have been very easy to keep ahead of. Now we're just kind of a number ahead of the year behind. Yeah. So, yes, it is... It's 80s season, so the next 10 episodes, it's going to be us covering the 80s year by year. Uh, today, we will be covering the 1980s, uh, The Folk from John Carpenter. Yeah. Before that, I thought I may as well look up the, the Oscar winners from the 1981 Oscars, because that would be an award in all the films from 1980. Yeah. Uh, could you hazard a guess at who you think grabbed best the Best Actor Award? It was Bob De Niro. What film? Oh, The Raging Bull. That's it. Aye. You won it in amongst... Well, nominated alongside Jack Lemmon, John Hurt, Peter O'Toole and Robert Duvall. So he was John like... John Hurt probably would have got it for Elephant Man. Eh? That's it. Yeah. Aye. Jack Lemmon done The Tribute. Peter O'Toole did The Stunt Man. And uh, Robert Duvall was The Great Santini. He also had uh, Sissy Spacek win it for Coal Miner's Daughter. Hmm. What about uh, Best Picture? Best Picture. Let's see, it's really far down. I think it's Ordinary People. Uh, Robert Redford got Best Director for Ordinary People. And Best Picture is all the way down. Down, down, down. Past music. Best Picture, Ordinary People. Yeah. Yep, yeah, I'll have to see what the plot to that one is because it doesn't, doesn't jump out. No. Uh, accidental death of the older son of an affluent family deeply strains the relationships among the bitter mother, the good-natured father, and the guilt-ridden younger son. Hmm. Donald Sutherland, Mary Tyler Moore, and Judd Hirsch. Ah. With Robert Redford directing. It does seem like a, an Oscar Beatty. Yeah. Type story, like great family tragedy and famous director. Yeah. Can you like try to hazard a guess at what sort of films will be nominated like for next year? I mean it'll probably be like your fucking Rocket Man and um uh, well. You think we've got any big big picture nominees already? I can I feel it might be a bit late for Rocket Man, even though People like films as far as February last, like Get Out is the fine example. That was yeah. felt like that came out like a week after the Acad- the Academy Awards. Then fast forward like three hundred sixty five days, it's still got nominated and it won. Yeah. So I guess they do pretty much count as soon as. Surely, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood will hopefully have a good number of nominations. Yeah, maybe screenplay, cinematography. Yeah. He he always seems to get like a screenplay. Aye, still no, best one, original. Still one, the big one, is it? What, directing? Mm, or best picture. Picture, yeah. It'll be interesting. Because I did see things on uh, Reddit where they're trying to track what the box office is going to be, thinking that it might pull in £150 million worldwide. Well, an opening weekend or overall? Overall. 
Alright. Aye, because that's it. His films never... I can't remember if they're ever really number one at the box office. Because this is set to come out... Hmm. Fuck, I can't remember. July and August, obviously. Yeah. I think it's about the same time as, like, an Angry Birds movie. So... There you go, you've kind of got a 15, possibly an 18, then you've got a family film in amongst uh, in summer, because that's it, it's technically the, we get on the 14th of August, I've noticed. Yeah, uh, so, it's the day after your birthday. I know, I'm hoping you'll buy me a fucking ticket. <laughs> but it just depends where it's actually fucking showing, that is the key point for us. It'll, it'll be done for an ad. I really don't see... Mm, aye, did, I know. Did Kino get hateful late? I couldn't tell you. I, I don't think either. so. Nah. I remember having to go to Edinburgh to see hateful late. Yeah. But I was just... Cause you it seen was, it in 70mm, right? Yes, aye. There was like the road show or the rodeo fucking... Yeah. The roadside attraction one. Yeah. Hey, fancy we film quiz before we get to our review? Aye, let's go. Okay. Oh, I've got an easy one for you. Mm. Uh, what is the full name of the first film in the Pirates of the Caribbean series? Oh, I thought it was easy. Ah, oh, I, I, I can I can see it because I know what number two is. Number two, is Dead Man's Chest, is it? I think so. Curse the Black Pedal. That's it. I think I stopped there for the third one. I thought they were becoming a bit too long. Ah, there's there's five altogether, isn't it? And they're now rebooting it without Depp. Oh, they're rebooting it, are they? Last year, I'm pretty sure there was an announcement that there was a, a new series starting. Nay Jack Sparrow. Or, Nay Jack or Sparrow. Ja, or Jack Sparrow, but without Deppless. Yes. Jack Aye. Sparrow. Who is Bruce Banner's superhero already go? The Hulk. Mm. Or is it The Incredible Hulk? Says incredible help, but I would have gave you a Hulk anyway. Okay, uh, let's see. Okay. I'm King of the World is a quote from which film? I could be loads of films, but it's probably going to be Titanic with Leo DiCaprio. Yep, Titanic. The, the second question was what species of shark featured in Jaws? Uh, it was a great way, yeah. That's it. It was a bit easy. When I first glanced at it, I thought it was like, which species features in Jaws? And I thought, shark. <laughs> yeah. That's why I try to give you the Titanic one. Make it more difficult. Mm. Oh, that'd be tough. That'd be a tough one for you. Oh. What is the name of Russell Brand's character in Forgetting Sarah Marshall? And he had the same role in Get Him to the Greek. Oh, no. It was like the total failed rock star. Yeah. Um. Oh, I can't remember it's the first name. Is, is it something like Alfonso Snow or Alonzo Snow? It's Al Snow. Closest. Aldous. Aldous Snow. Snow. Shut up, son of a bitch. <laughs> Aye. Oh, well. Uh, let's see. I'm surprised I managed to fucking pull that back. Which actor played Will Smith's partner in the Men in Black films? Partner as in his colleague, not a, a like sexual partner, significant other. No. 
Oh, right, it'll be Tom Lee Jones. Eh? That's it. But then we could, you know, say it could be Josh Brolin as well because technically, yes. And they had I don't know the last he was. I don't know the last in there as well. Maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking there's a new one that's ah that's that's kind of bombed. Yeah. Aye. In the internship, Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson gain a placement at which company? Google. Yeah. Ah. No, I've never seen the film. No. I've never seen it. Anyway, uh, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, Curse of the Black, put on Titanic. It's three, so you oh. won. Ah. Ah. So, we could end it there. We need to up our game in the film quiz and shit. This, we might switch it back to the four categories one. They seem to be a wee, wee bit mere. I might try and see if there's like an 80s oriented one. Hmm. Nah, I try and find an 80s film quiz. Yeah, because. I mean, there's also loads of shit we've not covered. Totally. So. Let's pull up our notes. I, don't, I'm, I might have to reorganise my notes. I focus far too much on the characters, whereas this film, I feel, is really kind of story oriented. Mm. Like, there's a lot of things going on that didn't involve any of the, the characters, or. You could actually class the fog as a character itself. Yeah. Because it's quite mysterious at times. Um, anyway, The Fog, directed by John Carpenter and written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. The film was released in UK cinemas on the 6th of November, 1980. The film stars Adrian Barbeau as Stevie Wayne. Jimmy Lee Curtis as Elizabeth Soley. Janet Lee, her mall, is Kathy Williams. John Houseman is a Mr. Mackin, tell you a creepy story on the beach man. Yeah. Tom Aitkins is Nick Castle. Uh, James Cannon as Dick Baxter. Charles Cyphers as Dan O'Bannon. Nancy Keys, formerly Nancy Loomis, as Sandy Fidel. Ty Mitchell as wee Andy Wayne and Hal Holbrook as Father Malone. Yeah. Now, I could have swore I've known Hal Holbrook from something else and I cannot put yes. my finger on it. And I actually meant to fucking look up on IMDb and I'm going to actually do that right now. Because, I, I, honestly... Because the name, the name rings a bell. Yeah, I scrolled and scrolled and scrolled for it earlier and nothing jumped out. He's in All of the President's Men. But that's not like a really significant film to me. It's not like, oh, he's that cunt from Miracle on 34th Street. 135 The cunt is still alive. That, that was the biggest surprise to me. Wee, he had a wee role in Sons Anarchy, but I, I didn't can... Exactly. Nothing significant enough where I go, oh, aye, him, him. It's Father Malone. Yeah. Unless I'm... Th- I was going to say... It's not even from this film, because he hardly looks like it's his wee face that you see on IMDb. Like, yeah. I've recognised that face from somewhere. But honestly, I cannot put my finger on it. Way down into the mid- mid-90s, and I can't see. I know, it's not like you play Bruce Willis's dad in, uh, was it Striking Distance? No. Because that was the cunt for Frasier. Yeah. Um, no. He was credited for an Under Siege movie that is not anything to do with the Steven Seagal franchise. Alright. So, I thought he maybe 
I mean, had a wee sparring match with Sagan. But same year they done the fog. He starred as President Adam Scott in the brilliantly titled "The Kidnapping of the President." <laughs> it just sounds so horrendous. But yeah, like nothing. Yeah, major. Yeah. It's like, oh, he's that cunt for police academy. Oh nah. my god, his character's name and all the president's men. Deep throat. Yeah. Yeah. I think you must have been the cunt that was leaking information. He was a man of force, but I've never seen it. Aye, one of the Dirty Harry films, eh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... And I think, I know what you're meaning about all the president's men. I do think he was, like, deep throat and dick or anything. That's what, <laughs> the film was nothing like that. Yeah. Aye, been in, like, also, like, Biggish, like big-ish films, but nothing. Nothing. This isn't the last biggish film title on here. Is that Lincoln? Oh yeah. Man, but I've never got around to seeing it. No, no, that's never been something I've been interested in. Uh, so, Mike, go and tell me what is the plot to the fog? Um, the town of Antonio Bay is celebrating its one hundred year anniversary. Unbeknownst to all of them, a ghost, a ghost, a ship of ghostly figures emerged to extract their their revenge. On the elders who committed a horrific crime a hundred years prior, under the illuminate glow of the fog. Yes. Uh, Mike, was this a first time watch for yourself? Nope. It, it, it almost was a first time watch. I think this is maybe only the second or third time I've seen it, but I've definitely not seen it in over ten years. Yeah. So you can kind of class it as like almost a first time because you kind of go into it. Mm-hmm. Forgetting kind of everything. Some of the beats and the characters. Yeah. So, what was your earliest memory of the film? I generally never ever seen it till I was like 20, 21. Mm-hmm. I think it was like my dad had managed to get it on DVD or I picked it up. It was cheap. Yeah. And I was kind of in that frame where I was going through. Looking for like, horrors. Yeah, well, not so much, but like going through like Carpenter's like early collection. Right, aye. And it was one that I'd had never seen yeah so sort of just picked up on name value yeah mm-hmm. uh, this was my, really my second watch of it as well first time I saw it it was it's strange it's really specific because when I went and saw John Carpenter in concert at the Usher Hall in Edinburgh it was like October 2016 I think and 16 or 17 and there was, like, as you can, it plays the movie in the background, plays yeah. the, the music live in front of you. And at that stage, I'd only seen a real, just select amount of work. So seeing the fog and uh, In the Mouth of Madness and Prince of Darkness, there's all these ones, I've never fucking seen these films, and let alone heard the music to them. Mm. So my mission after seeing them live in concert was, right, I need to hunt down Christine, I need to hunt down Assault and Priest in 13 and watch these. Yeah. And it ended up being in December, I think, I was in Glasgow for ICW's Fear and Loathing at the, the Hydro, and we're staying in a premiere in across the road, and I had the fog on a USB stick. So after the show, we got back, ordered like a Domino's or something, sat and watched the fog. Yeah. Actually, I think we'd started it, because... You know when you go someplace and there's always a wee bit downtime before your gig starts. Yeah. We went to the hotel, started watching it. Got to the point where Jamie Lee Curtis was waiting in the morgue. Uh, like that famous shot with the body in the background. Yeah. And kind of paused it there. 
<laughs> left the TV on as you do because it's not my house. I'll just waste electricity. Yeah. <laughs> so uh. fucked off. Come back and there's still just that still image of her looking bored and there's just a fucking big cloth in the background that's like budged. So I, but prior to that, never fucking seen or heard of the fog before, and like never recognised the posters or the covers. Maybe that DVD cover where it's like bright green, yeah, but the, the really ugly DVD cover artwork, yeah. where it kind of looks like oh that must be the remake, but it's not. That's yeah, they have I mean, the repackaged. Remake, the remake out artwork's just as fucking horrible. Mm-hmm. I don't actually think of seeing the remake. Nah. I've got a wee note on there where I still kind of look into it but aye. It's a bit grisly. Yeah. Uh, I, I do like the artwork for the remaster that the Studio Canal released last year, the ones that we've all got. Yes, aye. And like the fact that it's like when you go on to, when you watch the film you've got like the like animated screens. Aye. Yeah, it's, it's animated sort of like cover art aye. more or less. Now, what did you think of the film? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's Carpenter's worst. It's definitely not his best. It's, mm-hmm. it's getting 85, 90 minutes. It tells yep. a story. Aye. And like, the story is like quite interesting. Mm-hmm. And like the total, like, the ghastly like, goings on is quite clever. Mm-hmm. But um, also, it's definitely not my favourite Carpenter film. Yeah, but it's, it's good though. It's watchable, you know. Yeah, I I quite enjoyed it. It's uh like for for his early stage because it's it's an ambitious leap from like Halloween because if you kind of think of what you need for Halloween is it was just the, the guy in the suit wearing a mask stalking yeah. people from afar. This one is right. We've got ghosts. We've got fog, pirates. Uh, there's like right. He's he's gotten a little bit more ambitious and is it right? There's a a bigger scale horror film he's doing, but and again, it's just like the supernatural horror in like a wee seaside town. Yeah, and it I think it still plays pretty well. It is totally like the perfect film to watch on like a a spooky night. Yeah, it kind of gives me vibes of fucking like the Goonies a wee bit. Yeah, and like, the with locations the whole, with the location with the whole like, with the gold and all that. Aye, yeah. Definitely, like that scene with Andy, yeah, uh, finding well being attracted to the, to the rocks, and yeah, that, and then it changes into the bit of plank, yeah. Uh, the opening title sequence is well, the opening sequence is pretty good with like the old sea captain, yeah, telling the story, whereas like it, it's five to twelve, and I'll tell you a wee creepy story, mm. and then it's like right, it's midnight now, I'm a war him. See you later, kids. <laughs> and just fucks off in his van. But it was almost like when it had that shot and it had a close-up of like a pocket watch being closed. Yeah. I really expected the fog to appear on the left side of the screen. You know how like Halloween, you have like a pumpkin in the yeah. title card. It looked like they had to, just the way they were setting that shot with them closing the pocket watch. I thought yeah. like, as soon as it closed, it, the fog was going to pick up on the other side yeah, of the screen. Yeah, no, it's like a... What's the word I'm looking for? Like, almost like a panoramic view like the beach like early like early dawn sort of thing yeah and the wee cheeky carpenter cameo at the start yeah is he some sort of I, I didn't think I would notice it the first time I ever seen it no nah, I would not have either but also I recognised it the night when I'd watched it mm-hmm. I was like I was definitely cutting a bit with his, his long hippie hair and handlebar moustache yeah sort of like a wee groundskeeper for the fucking church yeah 
him and Father Malone. Try to think if he he did have a couple of cameos in his other films. I think he does. He All does right. have one in Body Bags. All right. Uh, yes. He, uh, plays he, morgue, he plays like the morgue attendant in all three stories. Pretty much. Exactly. Uh, he's the guy that kind of ties the stories together. He'll yeah. talk to the crowd. I'm pretty sure there's a shot where he pulls a body at the morgue and it's just a dead woman with gigantic silicone tits sitting shaking and going, whoa. <laughs> and he puts it away because he's getting distracted. Uh, or something like you'll save that for later. It's, it's just yeah. like just chewing scenery. Now, I did like that aspect of like the lighthouse tower also being like the wee local radio station. Yeah, thought that was pretty cool. And even the fucking locations, like I think, and whether it came down to like Dean Cundy for how he set it up, but the actual fucking locations for this film, like the fact that the those shots of Adrian Barbeau having to walk down what looked like 400 steps to get to a wee lighthouse yeah. to do a wee radio show. It was pretty impressive because it, it looked fucking like... I just looked at all those steps and said, that must be a fucking nightmare in winter. Yeah. Slipped in one step and that's you rolling for miles. Mm. But I did like the fact that she had a wee radio shack at the top of the lighthouse. She's probably got the best signal. Totally. You know, which yeah. is like, it's, it's no like in the middle of nowhere, but it's, you know, it's far, it's far enough away for like mm-hmm. everyone else. Eh? And it seems to be like it's a big deal for the the town. Like this wee radio station, you've got like the, the creepy wee guy at the weather station that's taking extra shifts at work just so he could listen to her. <sighs> but she's quite suggestive, talking about uh, keep me turned on and maybe I'll pay the favour back to you. <laughs> and the fucking dirty weatherman sitting there with his big knitted jumper on. Oh, extra shift. Got to get my wee fix of Stevie. Oh, yes. <laughs> Ignoring the fog that's creeping in behind me. <laughs> Think I'll get her on the phone again. But it is, it's the, the brutal murders with the fog. Like the the fucking shipping boat, like the crew, where there's all the all the fucking sailors just sitting listening to her, saying, "Oh, aye, this fucking lassie since hot." Like, oh, I saw her when she was shopping once. Yeah. And they're all talking about it. Like, Christ, is there only one woman on the island? They all just seem like, "Oh, that voice, aye." And then it's just the fog. It's, I just love how the the effect's so simple because it's just mist. But when it kind of encapsulates things, like when it takes over a ship. And you're like, oh, that's a bit eerie. And then just fucking arms jump out with hooks yeah. and fucking swords. It's the... I, did, I did get a laugh when they also showed you the boat, like the boat with the three fishermen on it. Yeah. And they're talking about like, like the bank of fog. And Annie's like, there's no man out there. Aye. Like, what are talking about? There's no man out there. And then he's like, that's a bank of fog. <laughs> and it, it just, I did like the added effect of the fog glowing. Yeah. Like, hours before just kind of... Kind of reminds you, like, 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 the Northern Lights a wee bit. Ah, yeah, that's a good point. Because um, that's it. You just think, oh, it's a, it's a really strong white fog. But you can actually see, also, it was, like, just a camera effect. There's, like, fl- like floodlights being flashed behind this fog to make it ultra bold and white. Mm. And, I mean, it, it does kind of come off that effect, like, when... Well, later on in the film, we, like, the... The fog's at the, the fog's doors and all that, and it's yeah. like that. that and it's like somebody's light. got their headlights shining yeah. into their house. I mean, speaking of characters, also you've got a wee duo with uh, Tom Atkins and Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, I fucking 
love Tom Atkins. Like he's got so many good roles. I mean, what's not love? He's a drink driving, hitchhiker shagging fisherman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He just fuck it. I'll pick you up. Seem alright. I'll take you him. He's <laughs> just driving him, having a wee fucking bottle of bud. It's well, kind of like the. I'm trying to think how. I'm trying to think who I'm trying to compare him to. Kind of like 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 like, like, like the James Bond like like horror films kind of. Because mm-hmm. like he like shags everybody. Aye, like, he, I noticed that. I he had that scene in Hall. I've still not seen it, but it's. Halloween seen, 3. Yeah, I've still seen folk talking about it. Aye. Because that always seems to be young lassies as well. Because the woman in, in Halloween 3, Season the Witch, was a fair bit younger. And for what I remember, it, it was almost like a montage yeah. rather than a sex scene. It just kept going on. Because I remember them folk talking about like, the scene. And it's like, it's like the person in that room triggers the wee... Like on, the, what's it, on the masks yeah. Aye, and that's it because she's fed up of hearing the, the fucking shagging next door Yeah, and it is it, it just seems so abrupt I reckon if it's like how celebrities have like a writer in the sense that right I can't do your film unless you guarantee me at least one sex scene because yeah. this one was a fucking surprise it's just like oh they haven't they're kind of flirting in the car but then it all kind of explodes yeah because like that's like the kind of the first Presence of the fog is when everything goes to the back like, of 12. Yeah, like everything kind of tastes like a mind that I'm saying, like with the petrol station. And yeah, all that. that has freaky with all the lights and, and the fucking the petrol just pouring out. The same with the the character, it's Nancy Loomis, but yeah. she's in her house and the fucking chair shoots across the room. Yeah, and the TV turns on its cell. Exactly, all. like it's, it's just this total ghostly mischief is going on it's like right let's fuck with the whole town it's now like a hundred year anniversary of the death of these people and let's f- go fuck around with things let's turn on all the car lights yeah. and and that's how um, Father Malone yeah finds the wee like, journal the wee journal like. was it like a great grandfather or his I grandfather know, his grandfather is it? and it's a fucking brilliant story I actually yeah. was really thought it's just this perfect thing where it's also like a journal of like guilt that you kind of believe that they've they killed the people like because was it something like they never given the right signal so they crashed yeah took their gold and used it to finance the church and make a town yeah and it is just the fact that it's being created on like blood money essentially like people have got they murdered these people took their money and their gold and fucking created the town so no wonder, like, 100 years later, they show up yeah. fucking wanting six lives. Yeah, but I mean, like, Tom Atkins is fucking, like, he's so, so many good roles. I think, I think one of my early memories of Tom Atkins was he plays one of Bruce Willis' uncles in Striking Distance. Does he? Yeah. Ah, I did notice, because uh, I was watching the documentary on the Fog, on Special Features ah, right. disc, and they were talking about, like, they did say Tom Atkins is sort of like a a real uncle, like a, a favourite uncle type of actor, type yeah. of actor. And he was always in these roles. And they did mention him in Escape for New York. Yeah. Now, I think he might have been part of Lee Van Cleef's Aye, group. part of the prison Yeah. Group. I couldn't quite remember it before then. I didn't think it was that big a role, though. Nah, he was just kind of um, like he was... a colleague. He was in fucking. He was in that maniac cop with Bruce Campbell. Oh fuck! No, I just watched that this year as well. Yeah, 
I can't remember who he would have been, but... He was, like, one of the, like, police, like, fucking heads, like, captains or whatever. Aye. He was in... I hope I'm getting this right. He was in Body Bags as well. He was in the storyline where the guy was having hair loss. And he gets... I can't remember what, what he gets. is maybe, like, a serum. And his hair starts growing, but his hair's actually alive. Uh, but yeah. he's going around with this big mane of black hair, like Ozzy Osbourne. And he just looks like some kind of like Beauty and the Beast, just strutting a bit with his big fucking thick mane of hair. But aye, it's strange that he's, he's yeah, one of these I'm characters. I'm really, really hoping that we do get a chance to review Night of the Creeps this year because oh, yeah. he's fucking absolutely brilliant in that as well. Is it like a leading role or supporting actor? Yeah, it's like, I'm trying to remember fucking what he is. I suppose it is kind of the main main character because he is like the main like postman involved in the film. Mm-hmm. But he's like he's got like brilliant like witty one liners and all that. So I'm really hoping that we do get to review that this summer. Ah, he does. He could, does come across as like this. It's like one. Of the, it's like fucking Arlie Emery. You know. Yeah. Because what was what was I watching? Remember, we we're talking last week. We we're talking about Shawshank. We we're talking about what film takes a piss with it. Yes. It was Naked Gun three because I watched it last Friday. Right. When I was off. And when Le- Leslie Nielsen gets sent to prison, Arlie Emily plays one of the fucking prison guards. Right. Aye. And did they do the gag where he's getting rid of all yeah, the soil? Yeah, and like, it's and literally, a baseball game. It, it's literally everywhere. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's like, oh, there's been like a an escape attempt and they're doing the lineup. Yeah. And Leslie Nielsen and like whatever fucking guy it is, it's fucking Kevin Bacon's pal for Tremors oh right aye aye Errol or something yeah are like standing like fucking piles of dirt on their head and on their (laughs) shoulders aye man that's a win watching it back in the day you didn't think it was taking the piss out like Shawshank Redemption you were thinking they were just being a bunch of daft cunts yeah but Aye, so other than uh, Tom Aitken's being like fucking top horror shagger, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it. You had like Jamie Lee Curtis, who was uh, how many years after Halloween is this? Two years. Two years. Yeah. So she's still in her early twenties. Yeah. But I guess as Jalen Silent Bob, it was the rules of the roads. You got <laughs> got to pay your way. Yeah. Sure, it's a bit early to have like a dick sucking scene for yeah. a film in the eighties, but. That was also one of the things I noticed was like the like I, I called it like the Carpenter alumni. Right. Yeah. Like it's like certain characters are in like most of his films and stuff like in that era because obviously mm-hmm. then like like the guy that always phones up fucking uh, Adrian Barbo's character he was like Sheriff Brackett at Halloween and he was ah in, right. I'm sure he was in Assault I'm sure he was in Assault and Precinct Thirteen as well and That's I'm pretty strange. positive he was. He was one of the. He was one of Lee Van Cleef's fucking cronies. Cronies and Escape from New York as well. All right, see that's it. Oh, it kind of connects. He does kind of have like his stable, yeah. Like his his alumni of Fox to choose from because Adrian Barbeau went for this to Escape from New York, and of course they mentioned that documentary that he'd met her on that someone's watching you I, like I'm that thing not, that he wrote. Yeah, I've still not seen that yet. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of got working relations for there because by the stage that they come to do in the fog, he was already married to her. Yeah. So, but um, it was funny when watching this, it made me think back to Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. I reckon why just like fucking 
how I can't remember her name now, but she was like the fucking oh, female D- uh, DJ stretch. stretch. That's it. I reckon why just thinking back to fucking radio jockeys and horror films. Yeah. But this one, <laughs> a lot less uh, inbreed. Yeah. But I did like the let's have a wee look. That sequence where Andy finds the, the panel of wood and she she eventually takes it from him and she's at inside the uh, in the lighthouse and it fucking comes to life, bursts into flames and comes up with like six must die. Yeah. That's a fucking badass moment where it's just like mm. where it just changes because it's just the word June, isn't it? Like yeah. it, was, it was something like the Elizabeth June yeah. was the name of the ship. But Honestly, just when it fucking blows up and it just comes up, six must die. And it's like, <gasps> and it then becomes just a fucking counting game for me. Yeah. I'm honestly right. Okay, how many fishermen was on the boat? Right, there's definitely two killed. And then you get that great shock moment where uh, Tom Atkins and Jamie Lee Curtis going on their wee boat all the way out, and they're just sitting in the hull of the ship, and you're just seeing that that cabinet, that locker creaking open. Like the handle switch and then it bursts out and it's blueprints and it's just nothing. You're like, okay. It's like a jump scare, but nothing's there. And then the fucking body falls on top of Jamie Lee Curtis and he's got no eyes. Yeah. And you're just like, what the fuck? Aye. And that that leads me to my favourite part of the film, just like that morgue scene. Ah, yeah. It's just so clever. that Very little going yeah, on. Uh, nothing's, nothing's really shown. But uh, you just know you're watching a horror film. She's been left in a room on her own. Tom Atkins and, say, the morgue guy, both wearing matching plaid shirts, <laughs> standing in the corner having a wee yap, and you're like, oh, she shouldn't be left on her own beside a dead body. Yeah. Something's, something's going to happen. And probably, if you really freeze frame it, there probably is small twitches to begin with, but eventually just the fucking hand comes out and picks up a scalpel, and you're like... <gasps> like when I was watching, obviously, when I was watching it at night, I forgot, obviously, mostly about the film, but... I was expecting like him to escape with her, and like yeah. kind of, like hold her like captive with like the rest of the fucking like ship and that. But obviously, didn't he? Yeah, but it's just one of those things where it's just like it's a great piece of a great exercise in like suspense because it's just quietly happening and it cuts back to them talking, and the guy in the more can't figure it out. It's like the, the way the and I love how he states the fact that it's like this body's been submerged for months yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's probably one of my favourite bits of the film is the fact that when they find the body they make it look like it's been underwater for so fucking long yes the effect that the fog has where things become rusted yeah the fact that he takes a wee swig at the beer can and it's full of salt water and it's like these guys only been missing 48 hours this ship's like it's been abandoned for months these bodies and the guy's putting up examples of how we found kids that were underwater for weeks. Like, this guy's worse off than them. And you're thinking, man, that's the, the effect of the fog. It just still ravages yeah. the body and just fucking, more or less, like it drowns the victims. Yeah. But it's just so creepy. And then when he, you it's just... Kind of, it's kind of to make it like, like, like no look suspicious. Aye. It just makes it look like it's a shipwreck. And it's like... Exactly. And I love how, like, obviously Tom Atkins like a dedicated fucking fisherman himself. And when he arrives at the dock and he's going absolute tits to the guy, he's like, how the fuck? It's like, Baxter, not back yet. And he's going daft to the guy and say, hey, maybe they just got drunk or forgot. No. And he knows, like, just a fisherman knows, like, yeah. people would come back. They wouldn't need just, like, something's fucking happened. Get me a boat. And it's just that then great shot of it's underneath the gurney and the Baxter's feet just drop down. It's yeah. like, Fuck, and he just kind of just 
falls, deflates. I think you were kind of like waiting for like the camera shot like on his face. Yes. And that, but obviously you, you didn't get it. Aye. And it's probably just because it might not be a really good practical effect, but yeah. when you don't really focus on it and you just kind of see it the shot like drops in the frame for a couple of seconds like Jesus Christ his eyes they're black what's going on yeah and I think it's just to make up for the fact that there's supposed to be no eyes or yeah um I do like that. I like the fact that the fog is aware of everything that's going on towards like in the film when um the phone lines with the phone lines when Aye. father fucking uh, man Malone Malone um is talking to Janet Lee's character and that, yeah. because they have to reach find the transcript and that, and he's he's telling them all he's reading it all Aye. and that, and obviously makes everybody aware about it but obviously does he tell the townsfolk Aye. but also gets rid of all the phone lines it's like it's like almost like the fog kind of it's almost like an EMP kind of because when the fog goes near the car the car doesn't start and stuff like that yes as soon as it just overtakes it just just disassembles but yeah. it was such a fucking clever shot where they're all rushing to the phones and then it's just like a plume of smoke just shoots up hits the lines and poof, yeah. poof, poof. it's like oh the fog the fog knows <laughs> and it's it's just the fucking power cuts and you've got like adrian barbeau going absolute mental in the lighthouse she's yeah. getting the wee generator out and she's just screaming for somebody to fucking find her kids barbara's like how the fuck's anyone going to know? The power's out. And then it cuts to fucking uh, Tom Atkins and Jamie Lee Curtis in the fucking, the Jeep. Yeah. And so, of course, the fucking radio made so much sense. Mm. And it was when she's sending messages, like when the weather man's talking to her, he's like, well, yeah. the wind's going east, but the fog's heading west. I don't understand. And she fucking makes an emergency announcement on the radio. And it's like, for someone out there, and they're fucking hightailing and they're a big fucking U-turn. Because they know, they know themselves the effects of the fog. But the fucking death of the weatherman. Yeah. <laughs> that's, it's really well done, but it's just, it I, was, couldn't, I couldn't help but kind of laugh though, like just that obviously, it's just that, that light effect. Yeah, it's just some glowing and he's just convinced that some dickhead outside. Yeah. Dick, uh, Dick O'Bannon, wasn't it? What was his? Dan O'Bannon. Dan O'Bannon. And his actual name was Charles, Charles Cyphers. Cyphers. Yeah, he was the one he, that played Bracket in the like, Halloween film. Yeah, he had some fucking shades of Jack Nicholson in this film. I think it was maybe just the accent, but the way he was fucking sitting where he just, he was ticked off and he was like, oh, I'm going to give these kids a piece of my fucking mind. Right, I'll be back. I'll put the phone down. And he's going, and he's like, well, you'd better fuck off. And he's sitting, I, I'd really got fucking shades of Jack Nicholson for that <laughs> scene alone. And he just opens the door and it's the fog. And he's just, he's kind of relieved. There's actually maybe not a, a point where he's actually scared of what's going on. Because everyone seems to be aware the fog's fucking bad. The yeah. weatherman's like, nah, fuck off. It's just a it's just a fog. And then he gets that fucking ice pick to the throat. Yeah, and it's like, <gasps> ah, it's pretty fucking grim. Like. And it's almost like a jump scare because I think the fucking sound effect hits you first. Yeah. Because the sound effects in this film are fucking strong. Mm. Where it's just like, wow! And wah! And fucking stab in the throat. Ah, Michelle was having to tell me to turn the television a bit. <laughs> Just because obviously the sound effects. Yeah, they do. The, uh, it's definitely like a wee jump scare. Now, um, so on count, that was the three on the fisherman, the three on the boat, the weatherman, and oh, 
Andy's babysitter. Yeah, the old granny. Aye, Mrs. At first I thought he was like Mrs. Kubrick, but it wasn't. It wasn't that it's, on the nose. Yeah, Kurbitz or aye. Krubitz. It just seemed like a, a Jewish nanny. But mm. it was just like how was like, right? Just close the windows. The fog won't get in, and then just the fucking get her. Aye, and, but she opens the fucking door. Aye, she's and it's it's just like she gets proper fucking done in as well. Yeah, aye, they aren't easy on her. And it's just when the fog's creeping in and he's a bit fucked and there is fucking Uncle Tom smashing the window. He's like, mm. come on, son. <laughs> That's like also one thing I noticed about the film as well. And it's, it kind of has become like a trope with John Carpenter, especially in the late 70s, early 80s, that with, like, with Halloween. That there's, no, there's hardly any, there's no blood pretty much. Yeah. Aye. No blood, no gore or nothing. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of relies basically on the sound effects and stuff like when the when also it hits the three fishermen, yeah, and you see the sword go through the guy from behind, aye, and, and then also the hook. It's like you didn't see one in the fucking knee, shoulder. Yeah, there's there's nearly like, no blood, but it's just the sound effect. Like squelching it's, and all that. Is, that's that's enough. Yeah, I really like those two shots, but it's the third one that gets them in the fucking chest. It's like, oh fuck! Yeah, it is brutal. Like they're they're dead shots. Like. They're no coming back for that. Yeah. There's no survivors. But it's when the fog eventually encapsules uh, Stevie's lighthouse and she finds herself forced up to the fucking roof of the lighthouse and it's it's Jason that's coming like she's hanging by her fucking heels to get away from it. And she pulls the 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 face off or the mask off and then you kinda see this this pretty naff practical effect where it's like, Oh, it's a green thing with was it maggots or worms? Yeah, and it's like, hmm, okay, you can see why they've got their faces covered up. Uh, and there's no can... kind of, like, aged. Yes, that's not aged well. Yeah. Like, less is more. Is the fact that they've done, like, a face reveal probably wasn't needed, and maybe in 1980 that was a fright. Yeah. But now it's just like... I, I, I preferred it when you got the shot with just the red eyes the red eyes that is fucking terrifying when they're all in the church yeah. and you've got fucking Father Malone with a big like okay right they stole their gold we financed the town what we got to do with the rest of the gold ah fuck it let's make a big fuck off cross with all that stolen gold a fucking heavy cross let's real. just put it up there just as a big fuck you to them I wonder if that gold was the same amount of gold as what fucking um Blondie and I was looking for him fucking good, the bad, and ugly. Oh. <laughs> well, maybe by the time you melted it all down, <sighs> fuck knows, but it was like a big fucking bar, like fucking Father Malone's like, right, okay, you can take it back, I'm sorry. <laughs> and it was, it was, like that was like sort of the big scene where he grabs onto the gold and then it was just, I reckon, the power of Christ, maybe? Yeah. Was fucking setting up on the ghost and... Because he was kind of, I was, I reckon what I was kind of expecting, but I was kind of waiting for, like, them to take Father Malone. Yes, I just because, kind of, like, is my grandfather's fault? And, yeah, I mean, he was he was often to sell as a sixth person. Exactly. You know? Aye. And what less would you expect from, from like, a Father Malone? Uh, yeah, like that, exactly, like a man that. in a cloth. Exactly, that's part of his character right there you wouldn't be surprised in him doing that and was it Tom Atkins that saves him aye aye 
and well, just fucking pulls them off of the cross. It was a great scene where they all kind of ended up at the church. Yeah. Because you had Janet Lee doing the wee vigil that kind of goes tits up. Uh, then you had uh, Tom Atkins, Jamie Lee Curtis, Nancy Loomis. She was with um, Janet Lee, you know. Yes. Uh, Father Malone. And they had uh, Andy with them as well. Yeah. And it was, it was like they were panicking. They were trying to cover all entrances and just fucking hands were coming through, come through windows, through the doors. Like they were struggling. They were yeah. easily trying to get that sixth victim, but. And it was still just fucking uh, Stevie stuck on the roof of the lighthouse. Yeah. And it was one of those things like, man, you should really go anywhere else apart from the fucking top of a lighthouse. You're really limiting your options when you get up there. Like, I would still even maybe just try and tackle the stairs. Sure, you're trying to run up 400 steps to get to your car as a, fo- as a mist just zooming right up to get you. But still, the fact that you went all the way to the top of a lighthouse in your high heels is like, ah, oh, fucking. Yeah. That's no the best path. Um, the one thing we was in though, talked about in it is the, like, the score that Carpenter had done for the film. Yes. And I mean... It's alright, I, I didn't mind it, it's, like, it's played on a synthesizer and a keyboard there. Yeah, it is, I think it's fucking perfect for this film, just like, just the wee piano keys uh, playing away, and it's just like a wee kind of wee wanton tune, and then when it goes quite like, dun 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 and it just kind of, he stretches it out and reuses like the same notes quite a lot throughout, yeah. but it's just like those shots where you have Andy run along the beach takes the bit of wood and then the fucking score kicks in and it's just yeah. like it is it's perfectly I could only just sum it up as a haunting like mm. tune that fucking is perfect to go with this yeah and it's those things where you've listened to Carpenter's soundtrack so much Margaret convinced herself at one point that it was the fucking he was sampling like the Halloween soundtrack for this mm. and I was like no I couldn't and then I thought well it can't, it can't be a stretch because it's like his very next film like, it wouldn't be a surprise if you had some sort of sampling from Halloween, but yeah. it was when you played the Halloween soundtrack to it, it's like, nope, completely different. Yeah. It's just the fact that we've listened to his fucking score so much, like, on that anthology album, and... Yeah. But it is... Because he had... It was assisted by Dan... Wersig, or... Yeah, he had, like, a supervisor, or... Right. A, synth- a synthesizer supervisor of sorts, I think. Yeah. That kind of helped him with this one, but it's still when it comes on, it's a fucking haunting tune. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's another bit in the towards the end of the film in that I actually quite like the score for a certain scene, but I can't fucking remember what scene it is. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a lot more like dramatic. Uh, I it's quite good. I'm gonna have to actually go and fucking hunt for it. Yeah, because that's like it. when you forget if like listening to like his anthology album, you forget he. Composed several tunes for all his fucking yeah. films. I mean, so, I love the fucking. Like, I actually like the the actual full soundtrack to Ghost of Mars. It's got um, Anthrax involved in it. Yes, and like um, everything is just total heavy thrash metal, and it's fucking great. And need enough every track's brilliant. Aye, yeah, I need to fucking branch out from the anthology more and just pick up the film, like Escape for New York. And have a listen to like that full soundtrack. Every time I'm in yeah. Edinburgh, they have like this vinyl, but it's always about thirty quid. Yeah. I really need to stop dropping daft money on vinyls. Yeah, I might. Mean, I need. I might actually check it there because I got the four K 
big box set of the fucking with Escape the, from New York. Aye, and it'll have this... it, and it's all the remastered one as well. Mm-hmm. So I might have to get a wee listen to Yeah. It's coming to last time I actually put a CD on. Put it. a CD on. It's I... fucking everything's digital now. Eh? Exactly. It should come with a fucking download code. I know. Remember the days we used to like, save batteries for fucking like your Walkman and that. That's it. I know you can't even fucking play a CD on a PlayStation. What's wrong with the world? No. No, it doesn't recognise CDs. Oh, what? I just want you to download Spotify instead. I wonder if I wonder if the Xbox is the same then. Because you would, you would think if one's like that, then another one is. Mm-hmm. So, no, no, you can play 4K, but not CD. <laughs> yeah. Right, um, do you have a favourite scene for this? Um, I, think I, I think I was saying that my favourite one was the... Uh, like when the fog was getting rid of all the power lines and everything, yeah. and like it was just like dismantling like the whole town. And also, like, like I do like the shot where it's in the church at the end, where all of them kind of just walking down the middle. Ah, with the red eyes. Yeah. I know that is a fucking brilliant shot. And after that, I did like um, Stevie's wee like dialogue bit at the end. Oh, at the, the end. Show, yeah. Aye. Just someone like, we survived this night, and we don't know what it is, but it is like the fog. But it's a proper big speech. Yeah. Where it just, it's almost just like a, like a Churchill speech of, yeah. we don't know what happened. We survived, but fucking, we better be ready for next time the fucking fog shows up. And then, obviously, Father Malone's still kind of in the church. Aye. That's kind of like a wee jump scare at the end as well. Yeah. That's it, just like, fuck it, we'll just do this. Send you out on a, like, a, oh, you're a bastard. Yeah. Now, hey, let's see. So, I right, fucking running time, 90 minutes, is like, like, a perfect wee yeah. fucking Cause Halloween Yeah, because when I was watching it today, it was when, come on, I was coming up there, and I went to go and see, and I thought, oh, fuck, it's still got probably like an hour left, and it was already at, like, 40 minutes, mm-hmm. and I was like, fucking hell, this is... It's going by quite quick. It is. I I think it, it, you could sum it up as like the perfect little ghost like ghost movie Aye. because ninety minutes spooky soundtrack. It it it's eerie. It uses a lot of natural effects and the fact that it's all masked by fog and it's shadowy figures where it's yeah. it's it's dead clever. I think for its time. Yeah, and like obviously like we talked about like the location and. Uh, Dean Cundy with cinematography and it is like mm-hmm. is really good. Yeah. Like some of the shots are like along like the pier and the beach and all that. Like Aye. the shots are really good. Yeah. I think on the documentary they use the effect um if you're on a tight budget, let God like do your special effects. So I like, will just let's just yeah. film all the scenery. There's like, deleted scenes as well, eh? I think there is. I've yeah. never watched it but on those Blu rays they do have two audio commentary tracks. One's got Fucking John and uh, Deborah Hill Aye. talking on it, so that might be a, an interesting one to listen to. Yeah. Um, one interesting thing I noticed was that John and Deborah Hill produced the remake. Yeah. And I've I've I, I'm pretty positive I've never seen it. No, not. Um, and I, I really have no desire because I've seen folk just say how how bad it is. <laughs> no, it's directed by Robert Wainwright. Who is the director of films such as Stigma? Remember that was one of like is someone, that Gabriel Byrne or that? Uh, might be, and then so. the the children's film Blank Check. 
where a kid finds a black check, a blank check in a parking lot. Mm. Yeah, I, I reckon if it was like Freddy Munts or something, or some wee kid like that. But the remake of The Fog has got Tom Welling, like Smallville uh, kid, yeah. uh, Maggie Grace. Oh, they lost. That last that keeps getting taken. Yeah, I heard as well. Uh, and uh, Selma Blair. Alright. Yeah, I'm partially intrigued to see how close it is to the original story. Like, is there a radio station in, in Antonio Bay? Uh, does it? Is it the same thing where it's six... They look like pirates. Uh, yeah. Pirate ghosts come to the shore it's to kill six people. Probably going to be a lot of CGI, yeah. Aye, probably CGI fog, like... Yeah. To the nines, but it's not a smoke machine anymore. It's just <laughs> exactly, drab and drag and drop special effects. But this revealed to me that there is actually an IMDb lowest rated. They have a bottom one hundred. Yeah, and it's it's in there. Number seventy four. So it's like, man, that exists, <laughs> and it's all things like disaster movie, epic movie, like yeah. those fucking slew of horrible fucking piss take movies. Are. Aye, I'm partially intrigued. Like, if it's streaming. Aye. Like, if it's yeah. on Netflix, like, fuck it. You know what, you know what I'm pissed off at? Fucking Netflix didn't hear the remake of Psycho anymore. Nah. There's no more watch list It's anymore. fallen off. Yeah, I really wish I'd watched it purely for that fucking Kevin Smith. Oh, and Hesh's butthole. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yes, aye. That's still deep cuts <laughs> for Hollywood Babylon, but yes, aye. And to be honest, when watching I never noticed... Her her butthole, funnily enough, as she fell over. I think. <laughs> I think it was just you know. I, 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 shape. I, <laughs> pun. What was that? Yeah. A pun intended. Yeah. Butthole shite. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, to be honest, I think for that fact, it, when they done on their show, someone emailed them uh, freeze framed screen caps of uh, her, her fucking arsehole. <laughs> like that's something a man opening your inbox going oh. Christ, okay, that's, that's a sphincter right there. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> As seen in, was it Gus Van Sant's Cycle? Yeah. Aye, it's it a weird and fucking is, film. And is, is it not just a, a actual shot for a shot remake as well? It is, it's a fucking experiment. Like, he said it himself, he wanted to make it for years, but no one wanted to give him money to make a shot for shot remake did of Psycho. Like, did he like fund it himself? I think after winning Oscars for Goodwill Hunting, uh, yeah. Fox started financing his projects. Yeah. But to be honest, it isn't a bad film because it's a shot for shot remake of Psycho. Yeah. So it's really, and it's like William H. Macy, Vince Vaughn, Anne uh, Hayes. So it's like. Julianne Moore's in there as exactly, well. Exactly. Like, it's a decent cast. Exactly. So it's, it's hard not However, to like it. However, they've been miscast. Yes. So. Because Vince Vaughn at that point. What he was, was he been known for? Was prior swingers. swing, aye, that's it. Yeah, that's probably it. Swingers, and he was on. He was in Lost World as well. Oh yeah, looking for Sarah Harden. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm positive there's no Netflix anymore. Mm-hmm. And if if it is, I'm gonna have to actually watch it just in case it does fucking disappear. That's it. I definitely I'm sure, recommend I'm sure, it. I'm sure we talked about it when we were covering Cycle Two in Halloween season last year. Yeah. And that was, I remember finding myself having to sleep on the couch one night. Uh, I won't go into that story. And I thought, oh, I can't sleep, I'll just shove on Netflix. And it was there, and I was like, you know what? Let's just watch it. Mm. And it was, it wasn't a bad watch. Now, any more notes? Actually, 
who steals this film for you? I think I already know the answer, but if you had to choose one character, who steals the film? Um, actually, I, I actually quite like Father Malone. Ah, yeah. I, I kind of thought but he might have went with Tom. Yeah, and then I was thinking, well, Stevie's actually quite good in this as well. She's a strong character. Yeah, I mean. Like she showed a lot of ten fucking Escape from New York, like yes, aye. There was there the was that, no low cut dresses yeah, the, in this one. The one on display in this film. Some but fucking the thing is, like she still looked like relatively fucking tidy. Yes, aye. Yeah. <laughs> it's as when as her fucking kid comes to wake her up in the morning. She's in a nightgown. Yeah, and it's like, well, okay, there's a little bit of flesh for you, but she's rocking some fucking eighties hair though. Like yeah, that haircut looked bulletproof. Um, but I quite like Father Malone mm-hmm. because obviously. He finds that his family fucking like heritage and all that, and yes, and I, th- he, I think I think as well as, as for that for that scene where it's almost like he's possessed when the fucking ghost touches the fucking cross. Totally, aye. It's like a like a conduit between the two. Yeah, where he's not actually being because I think as soon as the ghost gets their hand on you, you're fucking dead. Yeah, but the fact that they're both connected through the cross, made out of fucking stolen gold. Yeah, aye. I wonder where that prop is nowadays, if it still exists. Mm. I'm still trying to fucking figure out what the wee emblem is on their VIP fucking lanyard. Yeah, I don't know. What was, what was the one? What did they think it was? To be honest, I couldn't tell. There were yeah. loads of just wee obscure references, but if I could find it, I'll take a picture of it. Yeah. Now, any closing notes? Uh... Nah, that's pretty much it. We've actually rattled through quite a bit. Uh, rewatchability? I've got a good bit of like, rewatchability. Yeah. I mean, that's 90 minutes, it's easy to watch. Totally. Like, I could <clears> see <throat> this being put into like my rotation for if I sit and watch films at Halloween. Like, yeah. folk talking about watching like 31 nights of horror. I you could probably, like, I reckon you could probably show the kids it in like five years' time because it's no. Properly spooky, there's no, no blood. Like, there's no blood no. if anything, just maybe the atmosphere we get to, like the suspense, like the the morgue scene at most would probably be enough to fucking yeah, freak. Like, the the body falling out with no eyes, that's probably yeah. more scarier than the fucking ghosts. Yeah, but totally, that is. I could see me watching this at Halloween again. Yeah. Uh, you want to do the box office budget and trivia? <clears throat> yeah. Um, what do you think the budget for this one was? The bear in my ass was his next film after Halloween. When did they do that Elvis TV film? Was that in between or was that after? That was after. Aye. That was maybe. Mm, ah, it must have been post fog anyway. Yeah. I reckon. Early 80s, relatively new director. Had to be like a a couple million eh? yeah one million on the button aye yeah decent so yeah no I think I did hear on that documentary that he did make his money back so one million that that's fine because it's yeah that's really fucking little um, so both of us module only had the domestic right and I think they included the <clears throat> re-release it last year including right. in the takings because oh yeah Obviously, I got I got a four K release in cinema and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and I, I why I I really want to find out the 
in the so previous box yeah, office. But I, I didn't think it'll be like it's overwritten now. Cover. I yeah. didn't think it'll be like fucking Endgame sort of material. But mm-hmm. domestically, it took twenty one point four. Decent, which is good. And I, I try to think if it would have made a bit of bang in the UK or that. Yeah, aye. Because that was it. It was as I said there. It was November, so it just kind of missed. Yeah. Or sort of like post Halloween weekends. So it kind of the right time of year to show it. But I mean, trivia notes. I've only got two trivia notes. Um, Tom Atkin shagged all cunt on set. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like he didn't even care. Men and women. Yeah. Um, although the film cost one million to make. The marketing campaign cost over three million. Oh, studio are pushing it hard. Yeah, um, obviously with TV sports, radio sports, posters, yeah. to even the point where they had fucking fog machines in cinemas when the film was shown. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah, like just like whenever like the fog was shown on, on screen, screen. Ah, just, just just some yeah. dry ice effect in the cinema. Yeah, that'd be fucking um, brilliant. Studios deemed that the film. Um, was I'm sorry, I'm still thinking about that. Like fog machine. Then you just have like some fucking uh, usher for the cinema, just dressed in black, just standing amongst the fucking fog <laughs> with wee LED eyes. I would fucking piss myself. But I'd be like, oh, this is brilliant. <laughs> Having the score like some cunt on the synthesizer doing the music, dry ice. Some fucking teenager <laughs> being pulled in on his night off to dress up as a fucking pirate. <laughs> He's like, oh, take my money. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> um, get Charles back for that. <laughs> no, no. Oh, and now I'm fucking fucking thinking of Matinee with John, John Goodman. Goodman. Uh, like the it was like man, half man, half ant, and they'd have a cunt in the costume run through the cinema to scare kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> um, so studios deemed that the film was like unscary, right? And it went through a lot of extensive reshoots. Yeah. And one of the key scenes that got spliced into the film after full production was the morgue scene. Ah. That wasn't in the original script. Well, I guess that's it. I would, as I say, I kind of keep that as my one of my key scenes. So without yeah. it, I guess it does would probably take it down a notch. Yeah. I'm just so. kind of like... Wondering how the film would have went without that wee scene in there. Yeah, I guess it probably wouldn't have had much, like, it's edgier. Like, that definitely gave it more of an edge. Because it yeah. was just a reanimated corpse. as fucking a zombie moment. Yeah, but, like, the other, like, trivia notes that I've seen, it was, like, it was, like, um, obviously, with Carpenter and Barbo being married and stuff like that, it was, like, Done these films together. Yeah, they they done this film together. Blah blah, and there was there was one way that I seen that um, Carpenter initially was trying to push this for a PG release. Aye. Yeah. Before like, was there much swearing? I can't really mind. None. No. Maybe a shit or bullshit, but probably not. I don't. Yeah. There's nothing significant. Um. There's probably more swearing in the outtakes. So, uh, Amazon one star reviews. Is there any? It's there's not much. There is three hundred and thirty six reviews altogether. Twelve of them are one star reviews. So that's about five percent. Ten of those 
are people moaning about Blu-ray, DVD, Prime qualities. Tell me, tell me somebody fucking bought it and got a copy of the remake instead. One of the reviews is about the remake. Oh. And then the last one was this big in-depth, blah, 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 and I couldn't be arsed copy and pasting it. So there was one legitimate one-star review, but the the first one that was actually a comment about the 2005 one, it really read like they're talking about the original movie to the end, saying you're better off sticking with the original character, blah, blah, blah. It's like, they've reviewed the fucking wrong one. But I'm not sure if that's really maybe just the fault of Amazon. Sometimes they kind of merge. Aye. Right. But there was just one out of 336. Nah. So, obviously, we're talking about one-star reviews as we're suggesting people visit filmsandswearing.com, click on our Amazon shopping link, because we get a little commission when you shop at Amazon via filmsandswearing.com. Next time on the Films and Swearing Movie Podcast, we'll be moving on to 1981. I ran a poll on Facebook, and it has decided that I will be reviewing The Howling. Mike has a poll on Twitter at the moment, and is, the majority is so far yeah. heading for... A cannibal run. Yes, so there you go. We make sure of Joe Dante Horror and uh, Burt Reynolds getting up to mischief. Jackie Chan playing a Japanese man. Yeah. Because it's the 80s. Who cares? They're all Asian. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yes. And I think also a film where I'm pretty sure Braz didn't exist either. I only remember the second one. I really, I generally think that it's going to be a first time watch because Ooh. I only ever remember seeing the second one and I loved the second one. Aye. I just remember fucking Sammy Davis Jr. in it. And they're crying, I'm a chocolate monk. Is that the first one or the second one? First one, I think. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. And it's just like, yeah, political correctness, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. It's the fucking 80s. I, I, I wouldn't And the thing is, there's like one of the like, films where it's got like a big like, ensemble cast in it. Even yes. the second one. It's like wacky races. Because, yeah, because is it no in one of the cars that's Jackie Chan and fucking Jaws for James Bond? At some point, aye. Yeah. So, and it's just like they're, they're Japanese scientists, so that's why they have a space-age car that's faster than the rest. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically a live-action wacky race, is it? Totally is. Missing it all apart from some fucking Doug being Muttley. Yeah. So, that will be episode 132. Other than that, uh, if you want to follow us, it's at FAS Podcast for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And, yeah. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, fuck off and tune in next week.